Good evening, my good fellows and good fellettes. This episode of the regular podcast is brought to you by IRDT. It's a YouTube channel. You know how I get down. Go to YouTube, hit the search bar, go to IRDT. Just type it in, man. Look for DV Real. That's D E E V I E Real, R E A L, man. Good rapper. Very good music on there, man. Good, good videos, everything. So get over there. The regular podcast sent you. Let's get it. I want to talk about the importance of how we relate to each other as men and women. And because this is Black Friday, I want to be more specific. I want to talk about the importance of how we relate to each other as African-American men and African-American women. What's up, y'all, man? Listen, it's on a late night. I got so many technical difficulties. It's not even making any sense at all, but we're going to get through this episode, man. How y'all doing this evening? It's nighttime for me. It's 1.23 a.m. Um, I'm just, I'm up. I was doing a lot of, uh, man, a lot of crap happened. You know, my, my transmission went out on the vehicle this week. So, you know, I wasn't expecting that, but you know, it's all about positivity. So that's, you know, it is what it is. Things happen in life. It's about how you handle it. Um, what else happened? So, so, um, a few things happened this week. Other than that, I had a good week. You know, everything was cool. Um, a few things happened this week. I'm going to get into this foolishness first, and then I'll get into what I want to get into. You know, I got to, you know, um, this soldier Boy shit, man. I don't, <laughs> I mean, a lot of people that follow me on the Internet, y'all see that um, I've, been, I've been talking about it a lot because it's funny to me. Um, Soldier Boy versus Chris Brown and Soldier Boy versus um, Orlando Brown. It's just hilarious to me. Now, uh, let's go back. This shit, support, it, it, it got kicked off on um, on the internet because Soldier Boy went online saying how Chris Brown called him about some girl and he, he was mad at him saying he wanted to fight him, right? So Soldier Boy is going on these rants making videos saying crazy tweets or whatever and then um <laughs> and then uh Karuchi, the girl that everything is happening because of Karuchi goes on her page says a bunch of stuff chris brown gets mad he comes back it's all a bunch of gossipy it's funny to me that's why it's weird to even be really talking about it in real life because like this podcast is real life i get into real things on the podcast talking about it on my podcast is funny to me because it's not really you know I'm by myself today, so, you know, if I had my lady, we could bounce ideas off each other, but it's just me, and this is, you know, I laugh at it, but I don't really, but anyway, um, so, yeah, Chris Brown and Soldier Boy, um, they got a lot of stuff going back and forth. They both are confused in life. They both think they're bloods. They both keep saying they're from this Piru hood in California. Soldier Boy's from the South somewhere. Uh, Chris Brown is from Virginia. It's a lot of confusion going on. Um, um, it, that's internal confusion. We're not confused. All of us, the fans, we're not confused. We know these people look crazy. They don't know how crazy they look. Um, now, a lot of people have been wondering, how did Orlando Brown get into it? Orlando Brown got into it under false pretenses. Some dude named Jay Squid or something like that, Jay Squid, this dude put out a tweet. Uh, he got a lot of followers. He told his followers, go to Orlando Brown's page 
and tell him Soldier Boy called him a bitch. So all these people started blowing Orlando Brown up, hitting his hitting his joint up, saying Soldier Boy called you a bitch. They they blew him up. Then finally Orlando Brown bit. He said, Where at? Nobody was responding. They just kept on saying it. Then he said, Where at? I'm looking for it. I can't find it. So somebody goes back to Jay Squid, tells him to uh, Photoshop a tweet real quick. So they photoshopped a tweet of Soldier Boy saying Orlando Brown is a bitch. People sent it to Orlando Brown. Then Orlando Brown got in it like that. So Orlando Brown and Soldier Boy beef is based on, and, and this is the crazy thing about it. That shit happened days ago. Nobody t- Orlando Brown still hasn't found out that the beef between him and Soldier Boy is not a beef. It's just some fake shit that people made up. So, um, yeah, so anyway, now 50 Cent and Floyd Mayweather got involved. So now they're promoting an actual fight that's supposed to be happening, like a, like a, in a boxing match. Soldier Boy versus Chris Brown is supposed to be an actual fight that's that um, Mayweather's promotion is promoting it, and it's supposed to be on pay-per-view. <laughs> so it's supposed to be a pay-per-view fight that they're doing. So listen, Mayweather's so smart because he's about to make a lot of money off of this. No telling how much money he can get. I mean, he might charge maybe $20 per pay-per-view ticket or whatever. People will pay that. Enough people will pay it. I mean, at least I would say... Let's see. I mean, let's see. Over around the world, maybe two hundred thousand people might watch that. Around the world, two hundred thousand people might order that. You know, that's that's good. Two hundred thousand times twenty. I mean, and then you think about endorsements and all this other stuff. They might throw a little bit of will give some charity money out there for gang rehab. Anything they might put anything in it just to make it look better so that they can make more money. I mean, they probably will get more than 200,000 subs- uh, pay-per-view subscriptions under that. Um, <laughs> it's hilarity to me. It's, it's, it's crazy to me. Uh, what else information has happened? But, yeah, anyway, I'm not looking any of this stuff up. Now it's getting so official. Now they have undercards for this <laughs> For this main event. So Kenyon Martin is supposed to be fighting some dude named Tim Thomas. I don't even know who Tim Thomas is. They said he used to be in the NBA. I don't know this guy, man. You know, um, another thing that kicked off this week. The Soldier, I'm done with the Soldier Boy thing. Another thing that kicked off this week, my homeboy, he started his podcast. His name is called The Edge Show. We did a um, podcast a couple weeks back called Introducing The Edge Show. So um, it's a real good podcast, man. Sports, it's about sports, but it's coming from, you know, like like our perspective, the fans' perspective. He's not he's not a pundit. He's not a maven. He's just a fan that loves the sports, so he he pays attention closely. Um, but he doesn't have any any. Um, he's not connected to any organizations that might try to sway his opinion. You know, you got somebody like a Stephen A. You got somebody like a Bomani. You got somebody like a like a, like a Max Kellerman. You got these uh, Shannon Sharps. You got all these guys. They're connected to conglomerates big organizations that might tell them be easy on these certain things my man ed ed is not easy on he's letting he's keeping it real with everything however we're from ohio 330 so he is a lebron fan so i don't know how unbiased he can be about lebron but either way it's cool you know it's okay to give lebron a little bit of your favor it's all good we just kids from the 330 at the end of the day um, so my man, he started his podcast. You look that up on SoundCloud. You can look it up on iTunes. It's called The 
Ed Show. Easy. Easy to remember. Okay. Um, another thing I'm going to get into real briefly. Um, Nicki Minaj and Meek Mill broke up. I have no information about that. I don't care. Uh, but I cared enough to say it, so I won't just say I don't, I don't care. It's funny to me. Because Drake had a line in his song, something like, not even when she tell him that they better as friends. So he, you know, he put the fix in early. Like, you know, it's going to be a breakup and it's going to be public and funny. Um, now, Hidden Figures, the movie Hidden Figures, it released this week, January 6th on Friday. And uh, that's something that everybody needs to go see. Um, don't go see it because I'm saying to go see it. Go see it because it is a necessary it is very necessary. Okay, I think it's. A, I think it should be um, watched in in classrooms everywhere. You know, personally, because this is information that has been that has been kept from the people for a very long time. I don't know if it's been kept or if you know. I don't know what what the hell how they could have kept that information. But like I said, go see Hidden Figures and again go see Fences because Fences is you know it's a great movie. Now, we have this thing that uh, we had a typo in, in Twitter history this week. And um, a lot of people, you know, they haven't been liking my response to it. And I'm confused as to how they responded the way they responded. Now, the typo came from Yahoo. Yahoo um, had an article. And when they shared the article to Twitter... Yahoo Finance shared their own article to Twitter and the the typo the supposed typo alleged let's say alleged typo said um it said Trump calls for nigger navy nigger n i g g r navy <laughs> so in their mind they want everybody to believe it's just an innocent typo we meant to put bigger navy we meant nigger navy. I mean, I mean, we meant to put bigger. We accidentally put nigger navy. Now, this is one thing that I do know from experience. Um, the navy has been downsizing for for years now. The reason the navy is downsizing is not because of budget. The navy is not downsizing because of a, a, a lack of uh, 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 wars or people to attack or anything like that. The Navy is downsizing because ships are becoming more intelligent. The ship itself is becoming more self-sufficient. They just don't need as many people in the Navy. So, I mean, maybe one of y'all can help me out because I didn't even care to do the research on no shit like this. I'm just saying, right up, straight up. I do a lot of research. I'm not doing research on nigger Navy. <laughs> this is just not happening. All right, so one of y'all go tell me where Trump said he wanted to, to increase the, the uh, Navy enlistment. enlistment. And, um, the enlistment in the Navy. Tell, show me the clip. Show me the anything. What Trump said, because Trump normally says everything publicly. He tweet, he'll tweet it. You know, he'll just say it. So show me where Trump said, I need more people in the Navy. Show me that. I'm going to let you know there's no need for more people in the Navy. Ships are getting smarter. They don't need more people. They've been kicking people out for years now. Like all kind of people. They just don't want to retire because they don't need them in any longer. 
anyway, so so um, supposed black Twitter saw that tweet from Yahoo and said, you know what? We know they didn't mean nigger. We know what they meant. And they took it and made it a, uh, it's fun, joke, funny, jokey time. Have fun with it. You know, let's take this word nigger from Yahoo. You know, one of the, let's take this word nigger from Yahoo and let's make it a playful thing because, you know, Yahoo says nigger, you know, it is what it is, you know, mistake, honest mistake, whatever. Now, what I don't understand, now I can understand if we did that with everything that people said on the internet, we just took all of it and made it a joke. But of all the things y'all chose to trip about and not trip about, y'all chose nigger Navy to not trip about. This is one thing that a lot of people have been pointing out. Like, you can, nigger is not a word that would go unnoticed by any autocorrect function on any phone. You feel me? Meaning autocorrect would let you know before that goes out. This word is not right. Autocorrect itself will let you know. It's not a right. It's not a correct term. It's not the word you want to use. Okay. Nigger Navy. Autocorrect will let you know. Another thing that I feel, which I don't know completely. This tweet wasn't a tweet. It was on Twitter, but it wasn't really a tweet. It was a link share. So let's say when you go to a web page, it might have a share this article. And you can you can just type that you can just tap the uh, Twitter icon and it'll share it for you. Correct. Everybody knows about that, right? It'll share it for you, but it won't just share the link. It'll share information about the, the page that um, the link sends you to. Right. That's how they sent that tweet. That tweet is like that. That means that that information at nigger Navy wasn't a tweet typo. It came from the metadata in that article. You understand? That means they that that came from an article, meaning somebody edited that. Somebody proofread that and somebody approved that article with nigger navy in it. If y'all see the tweet, it's it's a it's an image. It says Trump calls for nigger navy and, and it's a link. That points to them taking that from the article article itself that doesn't that doesn't um, point to they typed all that out because that's a condensed link also that link is condensed that means that came from some metadata in the in the uh, website itself that lets me know it wasn't a tweet and it wasn't a typo it came from the website itself but hey all of black twitter go ahead be part of nigger navy I just I gave out the warning since nigger Navy is funny. And then I'm telling people like, yo, I don't even understand how y'all think this is funny. People telling me, no, you don't get it. It's just jokes. That's all it is. Just jokes. You know, you're being emotional. You're being too sensitive. So I told them, well, if I'm being too sensitive, then I can go back to joking the way I've been joking for a long time. Because, you know, I, you know, I get I, I know how to joke. You feel me? So when I'm when I'm a we. So let's not turn this rape into a murder when we going back there. When I'm talking about nigga, people's dead moms, when I'm talking about their premature kids and all that, these cancer patients out here, I don't want to hear nothing because it's all jokes. Nigger Navy is just a joke that I'm being sensitive about. So y'all dead moms about to get this work. Hey, can't help you. I'm being sensitive. I'm I, I, Hey, there was a time where I was insensitive. 
So since sensitivity is what we're not doing anymore, hey, you, hey, you, hey, listen, I said something about suicide and, and a dude come at me like, so you think, no, he said, um, he said uh, suicide is different than a typo. I said, it don't matter to me, it's all jokes. He said, so you don't care if somebody dies? I said, it depends. Anybody in nigger Navy? I don't care who dies in nigger Navy's family. They're all about to get this work. <laughs> if you part of nigger Navy, your mom die, keep the information to yourself. Okay. Because I'm going to make you feel bad about it. That's just how we're giving it up right now. Because, you know, I explained to people why I had an issue with this nigger Navy shit. And when I explained it, it was still, it's just jokes. So, hey, my, my, um, the, the thing that makes me, uh, that bothers me is me being sensitive. So, hey, I don't want to hear anything about anybody being offended about anything else because nigger Navy was pumping for a good 12 hours. It was confusing to me. That's all I'm going to say. Confused the F out of me. All right. I'm going to leave y'all alone on that because y'all know I'll be, uh, as y'all call it, that black stuff. You know what I'm saying? So that black stuff does, you know, it gets to me because I see too many of my people on the whole ignoramus game. And, you know, it just bothers me. I can't help it. <clears throat> so, look, peep game. I'm, I'm going to take it another level now. We're going we're gonna to switch gears real quick. I want to do this new thing, right, because I know a lot of, a lot of weeks I spent um, kind of off when it came to my stats, which a lot of people, they enjoyed them early on. They, you know, they get to hear, hear a lot of information a lot of information that they probably didn't hear. They don't have time to research until they get a direction and, and to take the research. So <clears throat> I want to start doing this thing where I give you a quick, you know, just a little quick information in uh, some finance and, you know, some business, what's going on in business at the, at the moment every week. And, you know, I would call it Kilo's Quick Cash Course. Now, we can spell all of that with a K if we want to, but you can spell it the right way. Whatever, we can make it an alliteration, but you, you do it how you want. Kilos Quick Cash Course. And being that it's the first time I'm doing it, I want to start with the most basic term in pretty much investing. Now, if you want to invest in stocks, right? And that term is shares, right? I'll read you the, the actual definition that they give on um, Investopia. Investopedia, <laughs> I said Investopia, Investopedia, I'll give you that uh, definition first. And it says a share is a, is a unit of ownership. No, sorry. It's a unit of ownership interest in a corporation or financial asset that provide, that provide for an equal distribution of any profits, if any are declared in the form of dividends. Okay. I'm sorry. I didn't even read this before. <laughs> I just took it off. <laughs> It's a unit of ownership interest in a corporation or financial asset that provide for an equal distribution of profits, if any declared, in the form of dividends. So you get paid dividends based on the amount of shares you own. Okay, now, Pete, let me give you an example, because I know a lot of some of y'all are looking like are listening like, duh, we all know what a share is. But you will be surprised at how many people actually don't understand this concept. Some people really they never even care. They, they just don't care to get into um, investing like that and it's mostly because they don't want to feel they don't want to let people know that they don't know about it which is cool some of us know about it because it's just interesting me I know about it because I've been broke so long 
I just used to sit around trying to think of ways that I can get money. So I would just look at anything. I would look at anything. So stocks happened to be one of the things that I started looking at when I was like 16, but I just never had money to get into it. Well, I thought I didn't have money to get into it. I guess that was just my, that was my um, excuse. That was my procrastination taking over because you don't really need much money to get into stocks at all. Like the money I have in it now is like very small. Like I got a small amount of money. Like I got like a dollar 50 cent. <laughs> like a dollar fifty, I got like a dollar fifty in the stock market right now. You know, so you, th- I was procrastinating for ten years actually about stock investments. But anyway, <clears throat> let me tell you about. Let's give you an example for the people that don't know about a share. Now, the easiest way is a pie chart. So, let's say I have a pie chart. I mean, a pie. Let's say I have a whole pie. My pie is called apple, okay? Let's call it the apple pie, just to make it easier. The apple pie. So Apple Inc. is a corporation, and they are a pie. Now, this pie is divided into eight parts, meaning eight slices or eight shares, right? If I own one share, all right, so shares are based on really percentages. All right, so... If it's eight slices, then you you know you do 100% divided by eight. That'll be 12 and a half. So every slice is 12 and a half percent. Now, every like I said, everybody who's informed, you're listening like this is basic. Everybody who's uninformed, though, bear with me. You know, if you need to write it down, or if you just need to get on Google and you know verify what I'm saying, because it maybe it might be maybe I sound like I'm lying. I don't know. All right, so you got a pie, eight slices. that's 12.5% of ownership per slice. Let's say I go and buy, if if the pie, the whole pie is $100, if I go buy one slice for $12.50, I now own 12.5% of that whole pie. That's one share. That's how shares work. You can, you know, you can, I'm just giving you the theory but that's how it works, though. If I buy one slice of pie, I just bought that one. I bought twelve and a half percent of that company. Now, it's never like that in the actual stock market, but it could be like that if you buy parts of a smaller company. Let's say if you have an uncle with a barbershop and you say, hey, I want to buy 10 percent of your business. For maybe you know it's a small barbershop. Maybe I'm gonna buy ten percent of your business for five thousand dollars. Hmm? That would value his barbershop at fifty thousand. You know he might not own the building. Now if he owns the building, then you know that's something else. But if he doesn't, if your uncle doesn't own the building, or your uncle or your aunt could be a barber owner, barbershop owner, and you say I want to buy ten percent of your um, barbershop for five thousand dollars. That values is is a. Uh, that you can buy shares in non-public companies too, you know. So um, or or stake. You can buy stake, and, and you know. So <clears throat> that's how that works. That's a basic example. That's just a beginner thing. I'll get into you know more information and and later on, I want to get into you know we can bounce investment ideas off each other. So if any of y'all know of any um, good companies to be watching. Or if I know something to watch that I'm watching, I'll tell you and you could tell me. And, you know, right now I'm looking for somebody with 
I'm, I'm looking at companies with good dividends, which um, I'm really looking at Cisco. You know, I'm about to get at Cisco, man. Cisco is a, you know, anyway, that'd, that'd be a different time. But another thing I want y'all to do, if you want to rock with me on this level now, I want you to download some type of business news app. Now, what I use, I use Bloomberg business app. You can use whatever you want. You can use MSNBC money, CNBC money, uh, any one of them. I use Bloomberg, though, so, you know, that's my thing. But I just want y'all to, you know, get one of those, and you can keep up with what's going on in the, in the news world. Now, <clears throat> let's, get, let's get to what the topic of the day is. You heard my clip at the beginning of the episode, right, after the advertisement. Excuse me, I'm drinking water. A little bit dry this evening. You heard my clip at the beginning of the episode, right? And this is this is what you know. This thing right here has been on my mind, on my heart, my soul, my everything. How black men and black women <clears throat> seem like we just can't get, we can't, we having a hard time understanding that we're both pretty much going through the majority of stuff we're going through we're going through the same things it seems like we we keep on playing the game like the sibling game you know like no my life is harder no my life is harder and i'm i'm, I'm not understand like of course the person in the situation will feel like their life is harder because they live that life and they experience the hardships of that life but what y'all need to realize is that the the majority of issues that we all face is more racial than gender. You understand? It's all more racial than it's more gender specific. The vast majority, and I'm about the the reason I'm I'm, I'm pointing this out is because I have numbers to back it up. Understand me. Understand me. So when we when we get these, <clears throat> we get these um these fights going on amongst amongst our people, amongst ourselves, they get ugly and they get very vicious because, I mean, there's just a lot of ignorance, man. People don't want to, <clears throat> people don't want to step back before they start attacking. They just, they don't want to do numbers. They don't want to look at the stats. They don't want to, they don't care. All they know is what they see in front of them. <clears throat> Excuse me, and, and that's, that's it. So what we need to realize is black men, black women, most the majority of our issues are similar. You understand? And the first one I want to go to is the uh, pay gap. Okay, it's, uh, some call it the wage gap. Um, wage, I said wage gap. All right, man. <laughs> My bad, y'all. I found what I was looking for, man. And when I say these these pay gap numbers are more based on they're more based on race than they are based on than they are based on um gender now you have this strong push right now by the the albinoid european white woman for equal pay now she is saying that her male counterpart part is being paid more than her. That is 100% true. It's a fact. Now, they call it a pay gap and they call it 
based on gender. Now, let's look at the numbers, though. The numbers don't support that it's based on gender. The numbers only support that it's based on gender because that's just how they look at it. But in actuality, okay, black men make around 3,800 on average yearly more than black women. But white women, hmm, this is very interesting. White women, you make more than all men besides white and Asian men. The white woman makes more than Hispanic men, makes more than Indian, I mean, American Indian, oh wait, oh wait, oh yeah, makes more than American Indian man and makes more than the native Hawaiian or Pacific Islander in this country. So that's four races of, of or four groups of men that that woman makes more money than. Now the Asian woman makes more than everybody but the white man and the Asian man. Okay? Now, this is the interesting part that they don't tell you. Black men, like I said, make around 3,800 more than black women. But white women make $8,000 more. You hear me? White women make $8,000 more yearly than black women. So, if if this thing was based on gender, why do white women make so much more than black women? And Asian women make way more than white women. Asian women make 49,000 a year to the white woman's 42,000 a year. And that's compared to the black woman's 34,000 a year. Now, that sounds doesn't that sound more like a racial thing because the difference between each is is around let's see the difference between each is around is close to 10,000 going down from racial uh woman and then they treat the rest of the women the same cuz black women hispanic women and uh well black women native hawaiian and pacific islander and american indian women pretty much make around the same thing hispanic women make far less than everybody so when they do this uh, female pay gap thing, Hispanic women and uh, the other minority women are bringing everybody's numbers down, making it all look like everybody's being underpaid. But white women are being paid more than a lot of other people and uh, much more than black women. So when we talk about this pay gap, we need to have it in its proper perspective. The perspective is not gender. You know, that shouldn't be the perspective you look at it. Now, why are, now by these these charts, they're saying, com, no, you should compare the black man to the black woman and the white woman to the white man. That means that they're admitting with no issue. They don't have a problem admitting that people are paid based on their race first and then the gender. Because every race has its own pay scale. Why is that OK? And this is about median annual earnings. Every race has its own pay scale. So when I say black men and black women, we're going through the same thing. When you talk about being underpaid, don't look at us black men and say, we make this X, Y, Z. We need to figure out, yeah, we make different money. But this is based on current. Now, when some a lot of these black women that, that have these degrees and they're getting these degrees right now so much, so much faster than everybody else, 
these numbers will change. Black women will begin to make more money than black men, and we won't. It, we won't. It, that won't be our our issue. Our issue will still be about race. The race they need to fix this racial pay gap more than anything. Or or what we need to do, we need to fix it by starting our own businesses. That's what needs to happen, you know. Um, now that's that's the pay gap itself. Now let's look at um, let's look at net worth. All right. Now this is household net worth, meaning this is you take everybody, add them up together. Let's look at the average household um, net worth. This is from the Pew Research Center, Pew, P-E-W Research Center. The average household income, I mean, um, household net worth, hundred. Um, I mean, let me see. Uh, this is for all Americans in 2013. Uh, $81,000. It's for everybody. Now, 81000 that seems, mm, you know, we don't know what that really means until we start looking at everything. That's for all households. Now let's look at white. The white household in, uh, net worth is $141,000. Now, how could all households be $60,000 below white households? I'll tell you, because black people are driving the numbers down. Combined household inc uh, net worth for white people, meaning man, woman, and then their children, but the bulk of the resources and assets belong to the man and the one with a husband, wife, or whatever the partnership pair is. They have assets of 141,000, right? The black family has, has a net worth, median net worth of $11,000 compared to 141,000 of the white family. The black family has $11,000 median. That's just somewhere in the middle. Now we know that's definitely not that it's not like I mean I'm not saying it's not likely, but we know a lot of people are definitely in debt or have negative net worth. You understand? Eleven thousand dollars in comparison. Now what they say is, um, because our, our net worth was nineteen thousand before the Great Recession, quote unquote. Right. And they say our net worth dropped so much. And when I say so much, I mean in terms of percentage. So eleven thousand is around forty percent of of uh, is a is around I say sixty percent. I'm sorry, it's around sixty percent of nineteen thousand. So that's around we our net worth fell maybe around forty percent, right? But um, white white net worth in two thousand seven before the Great Recession was one hundred ninety two thousand, and it fell to one hundred forty one thousand recently as of recent. Right. And that's around I say that's around 25 percent drop right there uh, approximately. So it's maybe really around like 27. Like, no, let me see. Yes. Yeah, so let's just say call it 25. It's a quarter. 25 percent drop. The reason they say black people's net worth dropped so much is because our value in 2007, a lot of our value was in housing, the housing market. And you know what caused the Great Recession, the housing burst, the housing bubble burst. Right. They were doing all the predatory lending, giving out the bad loans and all that. And who was getting the majority of the bad loans? Black people were. Our value was in our house. A lot of white households had value in the homes, but they had a lot of value in the stock market. So even though the stock market crashed, it bounced back also. So they made their money back. The black families, when we lost our house, it was just gone. That was the end of it. 
it it doesn't bounce back like that. You can't bounce a, a foreclosure back. It's over. You lose your house, it's gone. So being that we don't participate in the stock market enough, we our wealth when when things go bad, our wealth doesn't bounce back like that. So once again, black men and women, we are together in this struggle. This is not a gender thing. This is all of us. All right? These are numbers that we need to know and remember, man. Okay. Next, uh, unemployment. Y'all want to? Y'all really want to get into this unemployment numbers? Now, these unemployment numbers are recent, as of the fourth quarter of 2016. You know they track. Um, they track employment weekly. You know, so since they track employment weekly, we have very accurate numbers on um, on employment. Now, unemployment. Now, the national. Um, wait. Okay. Yeah. So. Unemployment for all people 16 and older in the um, for the country. Well, it's on this. I'm on the um, Bureau of Labor Statistics, and it has the unemployment everybody 16 and older as 4.5 percent unemployed. That's very good. Very good. You can't complain. They consider that full employment. Okay. Um, interesting thing. Well, I don't even I don't I won't get into uh, white, Asian or Hispanic. I really don't even understand why they keep on grouping Hispanic as like a race. It's not a race, man. That is an ethnicity. I don't even know why they do. They do that for a reason, but I'll get into that another time. You know, that's a that's another conversation for another day. All right. Let's get into these unemployment numbers now. Boom. Black unemployment in the fourth quarter of 2016. It's at seven point nine percent. Now, 7.9 is down from last year, so from 2015's fourth quarter. It's down um, almost a whole percent. 2015 fourth quarter, it was 8.8%. Okay? Now, um, so black, black men, um, well, okay, so let's get into that real quick. Fourth quarter, total black numbers, we have a 7.9% unemployment. Now, if the entire country has a 4.5% and we have a 7.9, that means we're about 80, let me see, we're about um, a, a close to 80% higher unemployment than the whole country. You understand? Black people have almost 80% um, 80 higher unemployment than the entire country. So that means everybody else is pretty well, pretty well off when it comes to employment. We're doing bad. So that number, that unemployment number would be even better if they didn't, if we had jobs like that. Now let's get into men. Um, black men have 8.6% uh, unemployment right now as of the fourth quarter of 2016. And black women have a 7.3. So black women, you have, um, you have more employment than we do, but you're still almost double the national average of 4.3 for women. All right, but now these numbers right here, I'm gonna get into are just ridiculous. Now, our black people from, now from 20 to 24, everybody has higher numbers during that time because that's really the time when people are in college. They're not really trying to work like that, you know? So, I mean, they're trying to work, but they don't really care to work. So if they can't find a job, they just can't find a job. The interesting thing is, once we get past that, 
when we go from 25 to 34 years old, when we look at those numbers, it's interesting because that's where a lot of black people are out there when they're done with college and they should be employed, right? You would think, you know, hey, I'm out here. Let's let's get to work. Let's look at those numbers. 20 from uh, 25 to 34 years old for black men, 8.9% unemployment. Now, this is the time where we got college degrees. 25 to 34, we just got out of college right there. And for black women, it is 6.4%. Now, that's a little bit better, but it's still bad because it's it's um, it's 66% higher than the national average. And, you know, so that that, like I said, we both struggle the same. That means we're getting out of college and we can't get employment right there. Um and it's just our, our rates are higher than everybody else's across the board. There's no other group. There's no other race or age group that has higher unemployment than any black unemployment rate. You understand? Like our, our 16 and 17 year olds have 30. We're in the 30s for men, and in the um, in the in the, in the 26 percent for women for our black women. So it's you know. Our rates are higher than everybody across the board. So this is another thing. Like we share this in common. We need to, we need to get this stuff together. And I hope I'm not just drawing too many things together so you can't understand what I'm saying. What I'm trying to say is, we have a shared struggle. Now I'm not done. You know, it's been a lot of weeks, been a long time since I had numbers for y'all. So you know, I got to get into these numbers, man. Don't cut me off yet. That was the unemployment. When I get into these cancer statistics, it's going to be brief because. You know, I don't want to be too, let's, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep it brief here. Now, who is the most likely to have cancer, period, out of anybody? Black men. Black men have the highest incident rates of cancer, meaning we get cancer more than everybody else. N- when they find new cases of cancer, they find it in black men more than everybody, more than white men, Hispanic men, white women, black women, everybody. So, um, and, and I'll just say that we're, we we get cancer, we have cancer, higher race than everybody else. All right, number two is white men, but black men number one by, and yeah, sad sad stuff. All right, <clears throat> and the highest uh, now the highest for women of of incident. So who gets cancer or what women have cancer more than everybody else? White women. Very interesting stat. I want you to remember that. White women have cancer more than everybody, all other women, but still less than black men, still less than white men, okay? Who dies from cancer more than everybody else? You guessed it again, black men. Black men have a higher rate of death when they have cancer than everybody else, than um, everybody else and all other men. So, and what women... What, what woman? So I told you that white women get cancer and have cancer more than everybody else. But why is it that black women are the leaders upon um, are the leaders in, in the world of female death from cancer? Now, if white women have it more. Why do black women die more? I want somebody to, you know, and, and for some strange reason, a lot of people have this idea that black people don't have access to health care. We have access to health care. We choose not to use it for whatever reason we choose not to use it, but we have access to it. But it's not the stone ages in black in black communities, 
we can sign up for it. We can get it through our jobs sometimes. We can we can get healthcare. We just don't have it because of whatever reason. And when we do have it, it still doesn't. Listen, I'm gonna tell y'all this. For people who say black people die from it more because they don't go to the doctor, I don't know anybody that goes to the doctor more than black women. So y'all need to somebody you know somebody give me a real answer. Why is it that white women have cancer more than everybody, all other women, but black women die from it more? At a rate of over uh, a 20, 20, um, 20 points per capita more than white women. That's pretty significant in my eyes. So, um, yeah, so black men have it more than everybody else. Black men die from it more than everybody else. White women have it more than everybody else, but my black women are dying from it more than, every, more than all the other women. So this is, this is odd to me. And like I said, black men, black women, this is a similar thing that we struggle with together. Healthcare in the health field, our personal health is not where it should be, man. Like we don't have the same problems as, as other people when it comes to fertility. We can keep on having babies as much as we want. We don't have issues in that department. We still have a positive birth rate, meaning we have more children than people that die. However, that doesn't mean we shouldn't take care of ourselves so that we can, you know, have more and more. We need to get our health thing together. And that's a shared goal. That should be a shared goal. We share a common interest when it comes to our health. We are dying for no reason. Clearly, you see that people can live with these, with these uh, cancers and things like that because these other people are living with it. All right, so... Let's get that together, man. That, that, you know, I didn't want to stay on that too long, but I gave you a couple of those numbers. Now, uh, let's see. Let's see. Um, do I need to get into incarceration? I'll be real brief with it. <laughs> you know, I had to, I'll be real brief. I'll be very, very brief. Now, of course, black men get incarcerated far more than anybody else. It's not even close. However, I will say this, black women are the number one incarcerated group amongst women. That's another shared thing. Hey, I'm just, what I'm trying to do here is let us know we are in this thing together, man. That's what I'm trying to paint here with these numbers. I won't say the numbers because it'd be such a gap. I, I want to just keep it at we um, 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 are incarcerated. Black men, black women are incarcerated more than our peers in our gender. Okay? So let's leave it at that. Last thing I wanted to get into that Shay brought up to me when I was I'm talking to her about it. Marriage. Now this is an odd thing to me because I, I need y'all dudes, y'all need to help me out with this. Why I mean I know why. Black men get married more than black women. That's a problem. Because that means that we're we're getting married but we're not willing to marry black women. Now, a lot of us, the vast majority of black men marry black women. However, you got a large number marrying other people. Not a large, you got a, a significant number marrying other people. Now, um, we, uh, yeah, we have a, okay, so look. 50, Let me see. 51% of black men have never been married. 48% of black women never been married. The national average is 
So that means. Hmm. That means we're driving the number up. Everybody else must be far below that. Okay. Um, let's see. Black men. Now we, we, we got to do better. Black men. 390,000 black men have a white spouse. This is from the U.S. Census Bureau, um, America's Families and Living Arrangements from 2010. So this is the most recent, like, hardcore information. This is from the census. Uh, 390,000 black men are married to white women or a white spouse. It just says spouse. So uh, uh, 390,000 have a white spouse. 39,000 have an Asian spouse. And 66,000 have other for black women, far lower, far lower than black men when it comes to marrying outside of our race. Hundred, uh, so black women have, um, 168,000 black women have a white spouse. 9,000 have an Asian spouse. 18,000 have other. Now, those numbers are very good. I would say 168 compared to 390. 9,000 compared to 39,000 Asian and 18,000 compared to 66,000. Like we have what they consider orders of magnitude increases above black women when it comes to marrying outside our race. Now, I know a lot of people, you know, you want to support that and all, you know, marry who you want. I'm just saying black men, we got to look at home first. You know, at home is meaning in our communities first before we just get money, get try to get successful and go grab somebody else. Everybody's beautiful in their own way, but listen, we shouldn't leave black women un, uh, uh, just unmarried because so clearly they, they will go unmarried before they go marry other people. Their numbers show that. So that means they're waiting on a black man. Not, I'm not, maybe they're not waiting on a black man, but they would rather marry a black man than they would marry anybody else. Even though, so so that shows you that they haven't given up on, on us like that. You know, with all the stereotypes that black men, we abuse them, we cheat on them, all these things. Even with all of that, they still haven't gone, left us. They could have, but they still haven't done it. And I think it has a lot to do with the way people treat them in the workplace. When they see how other people, like they see how black men treat them, and we might be a little bit ignorant. At some cases, I'm not saying I'm part of it, but I could be. But we might be a little bit ignorant. But when they see how other people treat them, other people might be nice, but they call those microaggressions where they, they kind of treat them like subordinates no matter who they are. It could be it could be anybody. It could be somebody that you don't even work in the same department as. When they see you, as if they as an other see a black woman, they look at her as She's not, she can't be, it's all, uh, she's, a, she's a subordinate. I think that's what's keeping black women away from other people in such high numbers. And I think the whole, yeah, I'll leave that at that. Black men, we need to figure some things out because, you know, we, we you know, won't say what, but I'm just going to let you know. We, black women are waiting for us. All right, so, and like I said, but the vast majority of us marry each other. We have 4,072,000 um, black married people that are married to each other. 4,072,000, that's a big number. I'll take that. We need more, all right? And that, that was the last, 
That's the last thing I wanted to, um, last statistic. That was the last statistic I wanted to get into. Let me see where I'm at on time. I'm, I'm deep, you know, I, I apologize, man. I'm deep in that money. Deeper than money. I'm about to get into these questions. Now, I'm going to do a segment called Question Kilo. I spell that with a K. That's K-W-E-S-T-I-O-N, Kilo. And, uh, man, I'm just going to let people ask me questions, and, you know, I'm going I'm to I'm answer them the best I can. Now, I got some, I got a lot of questions, but I don't, a lot of people didn't answer, but, I mean, didn't ask, but the people that did, they asked me a lot. So I'm just going to get into it now. First thing, um, this came from my dad. It said, I need for you to explain to the people about Oscar Westbrook takeover. <laughs> I'm guessing um, he's talking about um, Oscar Robinson, Robertson and how Westbrook is channeling his inner Oscar. Now, this, this, this takeover mean, I mean, Westbrook kind of been taken over for years now. People just kind of, I mean, people, he has been in the MVP talk for some years now. People just don't want to give it to him because of the success of his team. When he had KD, it just seemed like it was KD was the reason. So, I mean, Westbrook kind of been nice. We've seen Westbrook coming from a mile away. We've been new about Westbrook. He just, man, he got to get those um, those turnovers down, man. Westbrook is averaging five turnovers a game. That's crazy. He's supposed to be a professional point guard, bro. He does not need to be turning the ball over that much. So, even though he's averaging a triple-double, like, those turnovers are not cool. His his um he shoots a good free throw percentage. His three point percentage is not good. I mean, you know, his his field goal percentage is cool. It's like forty two percent. I mean, sorry, I don't. He needs to get those turnovers down. If he gets the turnovers down and his team makes the playoffs, he's getting uh, he's getting MVP flat out. But the thing about it though, they keep talking about James Harden or whatever. James Harden averages more turnovers than Westbrook, so. Westbrook could be good anyway, but if James Harden team, if James Harden James Harden's team finishes with a better record, I think they'll just give it to him. Whoever has the better record at the end, I think they'll get MVP. Straight, that's just how I think they'll do it between those two people. Even though they keep LeBron in the, in the conversation every year, they're not giving it to LeBron. So y'all can hang that up. It's gonna be Westbrook or Harden. Whoever has the better record. Now, all right, my man Clive Lawrence. He said. What's a good all right, he asked a lot of questions. He said, What's a good book to read? I would say right now I would start with um The Power of Broke by Damon John, the dude that started FUBU. Read The Power of Broke. That's you know, yeah, I don't need to spell it for you. I was about to spell it. All right, read The Power of Broke. That's a good book. Damon John. It's a red it's a red book with him on the front of it. All right. Why is it so hard for why is it so hard mentally for some folks to move out the yo? The yo is my city, Youngstown, Ohio. It's so hard mentally for people to move out the yo because the world is big and it's not Youngstown. A lot of people know that. They know the world is not Youngstown. So you can't get away with it. So you, you, you can't slack and, and survive other places. In Youngstown, you can, like, you, can, you can get a job and just be, and be paying your rent accidentally. Like You're not even trying. It make, it's just nothing to pay your rent in Youngstown. And there's no commute. You go somewhere else, man. You gotta commute. You're gonna have to get. A, you're gonna be putting a lot of miles on your vehicle. I mean, you, your rent is gonna be real. It's gonna be a real rent. You have real bills. Everything is. It's stuff starts. You know, property taxes. Everything. So, people know that outside of young. I mean, Youngstown is a very sheltered place, man. When it comes to um, lifestyle. 
I think that's the reason why it's easier to live in Youngstown. That's why they don't leave. It's easy to live. It, it, Youngstown gives you a lot of excuses. Okay, next question is, I hear people talking about real street dudes who are in the hood really don't want to be in the hood. Contemporary to Soldier Boy situation that's been taking place. If real street dudes don't want to be in the hood, why not just simply leave? Do the things necessary to get you out and dip. Is that difficult to shift habits? Is it that difficult to shift habits? Okay, the quote-unquote real street dudes or whatever, um, I mean... It's not just the same. It's the same thing as what you just asked me about Youngstown, leaving Youngstown. It's not. It's harder to get out of somewhere mentally than it is to physically leave. Every, of course, you can just get a U-Haul, pack up, and go. But the street dudes, and it's not just Youngstown. In every area, they feel like that's their safe spot. You know, it's it's kind of like um, it's kind of it's just saying it's equivalent of being in the house and going outside naked. You won't feel safe. You won't feel secure at all. So if you just say, I'm good in my hood. Everybody respect me. I can get money here. Oh, I'm done. Let me just leave the hood. Let me go live in, let me go live in Montana somewhere because it's safe there. Like, you, you know, it's different. It would be hard to do. Is it that hard to, difficult to shift habits? I mean, yeah, it's hard to shift habits, but it's possible. It's definitely hard, but it's definitely doable. That's all I got to say about that. Uh, he says, do you think Soldier Boy and Chris Brown were really, the this fight is really going to happen? Uh, um, I, I don't know, man. I, I think Chris Brown is kind of like regretting even being in any of this crap because it's all stupid. It's all been like, I ain't going to say beneath him because he always sends some shit. But like Chris Brown is, is not just like one of these low level stars. Like Chris Brown is worldwide actively famous and, and getting a lot of money like you know it's not even it's not it's not a thing where chris brown needs to do something to stay relevant chris brown is is you know shay said it earlier i'm gonna agree with her man chris brown is gonna go down as a legend from what he did already he doesn't have to do anything else as time goes on he will be remembered as a legend in music you won't forget chris brown his music won't go unremembered when it comes to r&b history you know as time goes on we will remember chris brown as one of the greats Definitely one of the greatest performers ever, but his music, I mean, he has some great music, especially for my age uh, group. I'm 26, so my age group, you forget about it. Chris Brown is a legend, all right? But as older people, as people get older and they just, you know, when you reminisce back, and Chris Brown will definitely be, he doesn't have to do any of this crap that he's into right now. All this gang stuff, all this, you know. So I think the only way to fight won't happen it's Chris Brown that says, man, I can't, this is beneath me. I don't even, why would I do this? That's the only way it won't happen. Other than that, they will. They got undercards and everything right now. It said, next question says, will Soldier Boy bring out the Draco if the momentum of the fight isn't going in the direction he wants to? Uh, nah, he won't. Nah, he won't. Who had the best checkmate of 2016, Black China or Donald Trump? Uh, checkmate? Uh... I think, I mean, Black China had more of a checkmate style move because of what she did. Donald Trump, he, this, all right, so if we talking chess analogies, Ch Black China checkmated the whole Kardashian family, right? The, she checkmated everything. I don't even know what the hell. She just checkmated. She put the queen, like, like the your king is backed into the corner. She has the rook on on the line in front of you because i don't want to get into and and she put her her queen right on you you know she checked me she got you 
Donald Trump, what he did, he just moved all his pawns forward. That's what Donald Trump did. He just moved all his pawns forward, and like now he's like he don't know what to do next or not. Black Donald Trump definitely has no checkmate. It's not he, he don't even know what he's doing. He don't even know how to play chess. Next question says, do you think some of these black nationalist leaders like Dr. Umar Johnson, Brother Polite, are scamming the black community to some degree? Uh, scamming. They are definitely on some shit. I'm not going to say scamming at this point. Like last week I was telling you, all like, I'm, I'm, Umar is on the edge of scamming. They've been calling Brother Polite a scammer for a minute because a lot of people say they ordered some stuff and he just doesn't send it. Now, a whole lot of people say that. But I don't know if those people are, are moles, though. So I'm not going with that. I don't, I don't know what those people are, man. I think, I think they definitely thought about a way to use, um, to use their oratory skills to make money. I think they definitely thought about that. But I don't think that that's an issue. It's only an issue if, um, if they don't have any other goals. If the only goal is to make money, that's an issue. But if the goal is to help black people out while and make money at the same time, you know, I don't, I don't know. A lot of Brother Polite's information is free. So I don't know how that could be scamming. So, you know, I don't know. Um, all right, so let me see something here. All right, this thing. All right, man, I don't know what the hell's going on. Next question is... Um, All right, man. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to skip. Should I answer all these joints? All right. You know what? I'm gonna. I'm gonna answer all of them. But I'm gonna go. I'm gonna come back to Clive's questions, and I'm gonna do them at the end. So, just in case. I mean, if anybody's interested to hear these answers, they'll be at the end of of everything. All right. Boom. Uh. I'm, I'm, Michael J. Brooks has some questions for me too. So, Michael, I'm going to answer some of yours and then the rest of them will be answered at the end. All right, bro. All right. So, he says, um, first question Why do black people idolize celebrities so much to me? Meaning, in my opinion, why do black people idolize celebrities so much? I think black people idolize celebrities so much because of a lot of the celebrities that we see are people that are like us. Meaning, we can do that. Meaning, they took our talent and, and made it big with it. We have a connection to that. So I don't know if it's, I mean, it, it, it does come off as idolizing, but it's more of a, I can do that. So, you know, it's more of aspiration than idolizing. That's why you see so many people that go so hard. Like, they might be in their 40s and they play basketball every day. That's, you know, it's not really a problem, but like, I never understood why dudes would be so old playing basketball so hard. Like, that shit is annoying to me. But it's really because they feel in their heart, like, this is me. This is my thing. Basketball is like, same thing with rap. Like, dudes be old as hell. Just they can't stop trying to become this famous rapper. But 
I think that's a lot of, because you don't really see black people just idolizing any celebrity. There's very specific celebrities that black people idolize. And it's normally the ones that are in sports and music. You understand? You don't really see a lot of black people idolizing Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke, I mean, not Ethan Hawke. Um, uh, 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 oh, what the hell is my name? What's his name? Hawkins. Steven, uh, Ethan, what's his name? Man, why can't I think of his name? Uh, and he's in that chair. You know, he's messed up. Uh, man, I can't even think of his name right now. But you don't see a lot of black people idolizing Neil deGrasse Tyson. Neil deGrasse Tyson is definitely a celebrity. He's recognizable all over the place. But you don't hear a lot of black people even talk about him, mention him at all. He's a celebrity, though. But it's because he's not in a field that we feel like we connect to, even though we can do it, too. We can become astrophysicists. He's really a theoretical astrophysicist, so it means he's extra smart. But... We can do that, too, but seeing that we don't really connect with that world that much, we don't put the same uh, reverence on his name. Or as Birdman would say, we don't put the same respect on his name. All right. So it's not just about celebrities. It's about certain type of celebrities that we feel like we see ourselves in. So that's why I think, you know, I think it's more aspiration and idolization. Okay, next question. Let me let me look and try to find one. Let me see. Mm. Let me see. How far do you picture the rockets going? Uh, the rockets could probably go to, um, depending on where they finish, like at what seed they finish, and they probably can go to, uh, they won't go to the conference finals because they'll have to see either the Spurs or the Golden State. So I got them losing in the second round. Yeah, I could see them losing second round, definitely. Uh, he said, have you heard about Ice Cube attempting to open up a retired basketball league where former players were playing? It? Yeah, I heard about it. If so, would you speak on this and give your fuck? I heard about it. I thought it was real. But, um, if it's if it's real, I think it's a good thing. I, I mean, I don't see why not. Give dudes a little chance to make a little bit of money while they, they don't have to leave the country just to play basketball still. Profession- it won't be professional, but play, you know, get some good rec, run around with a bunch of other old dudes and, you know, make some money. Put on a show for the people. They'd be like the Globe Charters or something. It could be fun for everybody. Mm, or it could fail miserably. I don't know. Let's see. He said, do you ever think they'll give us Tay Rock versus Hitman? When you say they, I don't know who they is. If URL? I don't think URL would do it. Um, I don't, And I don't think Tay Rock would do a battle that big on somebody else's platform. So, no, nah, I don't think it's going to happen. I personally don't. I don't think it'll happen unless Smack decides to dissolve URL and then these dudes and then Hitman gets and then they all get hungry and thirsty again and then they'll do it. Other than that, no, I don't see it happening. I will answer the rest of your questions at the end. Uh, my dude, um, B Mass, uh, he said, I don't, he, okay. He said, what should black people do to promote positive mental health? I'll tell you what we should do. Those of us that are in the know as far as mental health goes, we need to talk to our people, man. Talk to our family about it. Talk to everybody about it. Tell them, uh, really, one of, the, one, of the, um, one of the things that a lot of people that are, quote, unquote, in the know need to do is you start the conversation by opening up about yourself. Like, when I start the conversation on here, on this, on this podcast, I told y'all, some of the stuff I went through. That's what you, that's how you open up the conversation. 
you you say like man when you when you as you let's say you, you got some family because really it's gonna have to start with family you can't you're not gonna be able to help random people in that world because they'll be defensive when you try to it's really will be correction you can't correct random people about mental health issues they won't take well to it all right so you come to a family member you say man i remember um i was in this situation and and it tore me down you know when i was i was depressed and all i did was sit around and and watch love and hip-hop all day and drink beer you know and then one day i tried to go i tried to go pick my daughter up and she told her mom she didn't want to come to my house you know you got to be open with people now i'm not talking this is not my experience i'm just giving y'all an example of how you, you have to be very open with people man and you got to tell them how those experiences made you feel so yeah so if your child didn't want to come to your house because they just whatever i guess they just lost respect for you or they just don't want to be in your presence they don't want to be around you you got to open up how does that make you feel tell them you know you don't have to be corny with it or, or how black people perceive to be corny but you need to be honest though if you're not honest with them if they can detect that you're not honest because they can tell that you're not telling the whole story they won't open up to you so the way you, you the way you get it you go to people in that's close to you that are close to you and you and you talk on you i mean you talk to them about it and you the way you talk to them about it is to open up about yourself guaranteed that'll work i'm somebody that a lot of people come to and they talk to me about their problems i never had to open up though about mine people just like talking to me about stuff because i'm a good listener i just you know whatever i'm just i don't know i'm a good listener so i hope that answered your question brother uh you gotta you, you get people to promote on um, positive mental health by first starting the conversation you start the conversation with family then you tell them what you did and you let them you know really mental health is all about planting a seed you understand you cannot get you can't help somebody get well actually you really can there's nothing you can do only thing you can do is plant the seed and they got to take it and help themselves with it no, that's it that's all you can do trust me all right so um next question says um how to move on from an ex like ex-girlfriend ex-boyfriend ex-spouse um how to move on everybody has to do it differently man the way i move on i'm not i'm not even gonna lie i'm not um the best person in relationships you feel me so normally when somebody if somebody breaks up with me or something like that I can already, I'm already ready for it because I already know I've been effing up. So I'm pretty much prepared for it. Now that could be a defense mechanism to protect myself emotionally. So I just F up on purpose maybe just so that when they leave, I can be cool and I can feel like I'm right. I don't know if that's what I do, but it's possibility. And that goes back to mental health. That's about not trusting people. And that's not about, that's about not trusting relationships with people. You understand? So I, I you know, but the way I do it, um, how I get over exes, and I really haven't had many exes actually in my adult life. So it's not even like I had a lot of experience with it since being an adult. But um, no, I just, uh, I'm not, I'm not, my, a lot of my focus is with business and I'm a Virgo. So it's, it's easier to be less connected with my emotions. Meaning, you know, I'm, I don't have a problem sitting around thinking about somebody all day without it beating me up or without it tearing me down. I, could, I don't have any problem thinking about somebody. It doesn't bother me. 
you know, I can think about somebody all day and it won't make me cry. It won't make me do anything. I could just think about them. It just, you know, I don't think anything wrong with thinking about your ex, or whatever, you know, just don't let it take you to the point of where you about to, you know, pull up to her house and try to fight somebody. You know, that's what you can't do. If you're the type that can't do that without that, then you just got to um, find find a coping mechanism that works for you. But I personally, I process it. You know, when people say they don't, they never got closure or whatever, I give myself closure by thinking about everything that happened and what led to the situation. You know, you can want to be with somebody, but that doesn't mean you're going to be with somebody. Feel me? That's something that you need to realize in a breakup. In a breakup, you you know, your word or your love or your desire is not the end all, you know? And actually, if that other person doesn't want you, your desire is nothing. It actually has no influence on the situation. The only time your desire means anything is when the other person wants to be with you. So if, if you know, you move on by, by starting with the processing, because a breakup is just like anything. A breakup is just like a death. You got to process it. That's how you do it. Process that thing, man, and, and you begin from there. Process it, figure out what happened, figure out where everything went wrong at, and then, you know, that's where we go from there. I want to thank y'all for the questions. I want to thank everybody for listening to as much as they listen to. We are at one hour and some change, uh, but I have more questions to get to. So if y'all, if y'all want to be done and get up out of here, you can do that. Um, the rest of y'all, you know, every all my cousins, y'all gotta stay. You know, this is like church. This is like the after sir uh, after service. It's been a long time since I've been to church, so I don't even know what it's called. Afternoon service, that's what it's called. That's like the afternoon service. So all y'all, all my little cousins, nephews, nieces, everybody, y'all need to sit your, sit down, sit your ass down. Y'all gonna listen to the rest of this sermon, all right? Um, everybody else, you know, hit me up on Twitter at kilo underscore righteous. And you can hit me with all the questions you want to ask. I'll get to them on here. Um, y'all can, uh, shoot, you know, subscribe to this. You know, comment all you would like. Uh, I want to give a big shout out to all my all my people. You know, they kind of, I don't know if they really accepted me into their podcast family. But one thing about it is they interact with me like I'm one of their own. So, uh, I appreciate everybody in the pod squad, the podcast family, you know, um, my people, the podcast queens, uh, Avery and Nicole, you know, you know, we chop it up a lot on Twitter. Um, yo, listen, y'all need to go check out the podcast queens. They, they stay lit. Um, talk it out podcast. Now talk it out podcast, you know, they get a little bit more serious. They give you that work on, on top of talk it out and they don't play games with, with it. You know, they, they, <laughs> They don't play games. They're like me, but better, you know, because it's more interesting hearing it come from women. You know, it's hard for me. You know, I'm a man. I really, you know, I don't really care too much about much. So I'm just like talking. I want y'all to know what I'm saying, but I don't really care how you hear it, though. You know, you hear it, perceive it how you want. These women, though, they're delivering the message a good way. So talk it out podcast. You know, that's Gabby. That's KT. Joy. I don't know where Joy is ever at. I don't know her, but I don't know any of them, actually. I interact with um KT and um and Gabby on uh on Twitter a lot because you know they stay with a good topic. Uh Podcast Brothers, of course. You know, Podcast Brothers, that's a good that's a good one right there, man. I mess with them. That podcast see, I'm a man and Podcast Brothers is a manly style podcast. So that's one of the ones you wanna 
be in the room with them so you can join in on the conversation. You know, that's that's one of those joints right there. Uh, to Kenya Talks, me and to Kenya, we have the same birthday. So that's always a good thing. I want y'all to go check to Kenya Talks out. I mean, everybody, man, the Critical Dump. Check the Critical Dump out what's popping, G. Uh, I, I said G, I don't mean your name is not G. I guess they call you Q. Um, Stakes is hot podcast. They show love. Um, man, I don't want to, uh, pen, pen rolls, pen rolls, man. I'm sorry. Y'all. I don't even, you know, I don't even know. All right. So y'all go do that. I'm about to go fin. I'm about to finish the rest of these questions, man. All right. Damn. Okay. Where was that? Where was that? Hmm. What's the next best move for Ken? Okay. I'm back to Clive Lawrence. What's the next best move for Kendrick Lamar after To Pimp a Butterfly? It's been almost two years, excuse me, it's been almost two years since I'm sure he's due for another major project aside from Untitled and Master Project. All right, boom. I've been thinking about this too, man, because Kendrick, Kendrick is a mastermind, right? But the thing is, like, like his first three, because you know they count Section 80 as an album, which I used to think it was a mixtape, but it's an album. Okay, so you got Section 80, fire. You got uh, Good Kid, Mad City. That joint was a cla- instant classic. Good Kid, Mad City is a, definitely a classic. Actually, that's the most recent classic that we have. We don't have any classics since since that. And before that, you know, it's been a while since we, like, we don't get classics often. But Good Kid, Mad City was a classic. That was four years ago. That was about to be five years ago. That was, that was in 2012, right? That was a classic. Then we got um, To Pimp a Butterfly. Now, To Pimp a Butterfly was a was a very good album, but it was for a specific group of people. It was definitely very black. Very black album. When I say very black, I mean us, melanin. It was a very melanated album. Very lot of lot of jazz, funk, soul, man. It was great. I loved it. You know, to Pimp Butterfly was great. My dilemma is I can't even tell where he should go with it because Man, rap fans are the pickiest fans in the world history. There's no other fan base of of there's no other fan base of an industry that's more fickle than the rap fans, man. Like r- listen, rap fans have the <laughs> no tolerance at all for anything. Like you could do anything. You put a good album out, they just still keep on comparing it to your old albums. Like it don't even matter. So listen, I don't know what Kendrick should do, man. I'm thinking Kendrick, man, he gonna have to come with it because I have not been feeling his his features recently. So I'm I'm guessing Kendrick is gonna have to take it to. Um, he might have to give us. Man, I don't even know what Kendrick should do. Kendrick might have to. Exp- man, I don't know. He might have to get into the Hollywood side of it. You know, remember Kendrick had a verse on a on a song, uh, Marvin's Room. All right, so Drake's CD, Take Care, uh, track, I think it was track five, Marvin's Room, and then Drake, and uh, I mean, Kendrick had a verse all the way at the end, the beat changed and everything, and Kendrick had a verse right there. Now, I think this next album, because the verse he said right there is about, like, him getting into the industry, you know? I think that his next CD should be him and the industry, how he's navigating the industry now. Talk about what you've been seeing in the industry. Talk about how foolish these people act. Talk about how grimy they get down, you know, everything like that. I think that's next up for Kendrick because the way people explain how he makes his albums is he's 
he's making albums based on like a week's worth of information. So he might have took a week out of his out of his life at seventeen and made Section Eighty. Then he might have took a life out of I mean a, a week out of his life when he was twenty years old, and made the other joint. Um, what's the what's the um, Good Kid, Mad City? Then he might have you know that's how he does it. So I think he can give us a, a, a image of what the what the industry is like for him in his perspective on his next coming album. I think that's where you could go for it. Um, go from there. Now, next question. He says, what can we expect from the T-Rex K-Shine battle th- later this year? We can expect a lot of personal shit. We can expect a lot of um, close-up BS. We can expect a lot of laughing. I could tell I, I could tell that T-Rex and K-Shine never really had a problem with each other. And for all the people that are still listening that don't that that don't know what I'm talking about, T-Rex and K-Shine, they're battle rappers. They they go they're going to battle on the URL battle platform. It's a um Battle Rap League is the it's the leader. All right, so T-Rex and K-Shine, I think they'll be doing a lot of playing. I don't think they ever really wanted to be for real. I think K-Shine's main issue was Tay Rock actually cuz K-Shine is a, is a is a dude that likes attention and stuff like that. So he doesn't like when somebody's outshining him. Tay Rock was outshining everybody. Feel me? And he was young. They was they pretty much came in at the same time. So so um, I think K Shine left because of of uh, Tay Rock. I don't think he ever really had an issue with with T Rex. So I think it's gonna be some personals, but I think they're gonna go light on each other. I think K Shine is definitely gonna beat him because T Rex is you know T Rex just you know T Rex man. I don't. I like T Rex, but he gotta find something else to do. Battle rap is not for him anymore. He's just really thriving off of his name now, cause his his is what he's saying in battles is not clicking. Shit, you know how um when Mitch told Ace about Coke, shit just ain't clicking. B, you know that <laughs> T Rex got to stop it. All right, next question. What are some good core values to look for in a relationship? Man, I would say, um, of course the basic stuff. You know, you got trust. You got um, loyalty. I don't. I don't like that word loyalty, but you got trust. Um, and I. I get into why I don't like loyalty another time. But uh, trust, loyalty, um, faithfulness. Uh, you have um, attentiveness. You have lovingness. Uh, lovingness. I don't know how I should say that. You have uh, understanding. Understanding is very big for me because I'm a difficult person to deal with. I need you to understand. I need you to be understanding with me. You know, I'm kind of, you know, I'm difficult. So those are the things I think that that should be core values in a relationship. I'm very understanding. You got to be patient with people, too. You know, I'm though, uh, I try to do that. Some other things I lack that I need to work on, though. Um, What steps do we need to take to deconstruct and reconstruct this false sense of manhood in the black community? Example, you have to be tough, show no emotions, got to have all the girls. Okay. Had to grab the mic and adjust it. Okay. Some steps we need to take to deconstruct and reconstruct the false sense of manhood. Well, first of all, uh, we would have to, in, in order to reconstruct, we would have to know, have to know what we consider manhood now. You know, um, I don't, how do we deconstruct it? We deconstruct it by being around the sons. If we have sons, we need to be around. We can't just 
continue to have sons and then go on the street and say, oh, I'm out here selling this stuff so that I can provide for my kid. Then you go to jail for 10 years. Like, that's not going to work. You don't provide for your kid by risking death in jail. That's not, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to put that on everybody, but the vast majority of people that's in the streets don't need to be out there. That's just a fact. So when, when, you're, when you're taking yourself away from the son, he has no way, the only way he learns how to be a man is based on what a woman told him, if you're not around. You understand? People try to blame it on, on um, people blame it on like the media is telling you, like, nah, man. People really learn, I would say the music though. Music, I guess that's part of media, but people really learn based on what that whatever person they're left with teaches them a lot. All right, so people don't give enough you know, credit where it's due. So we need to, first of all, we need to be around. So if you're around and he gets to see what, and the young boys get to see what, what it look, what you do as a man, then they'll just change. You don't have to tell them anything. They'll just be like who they see. You know, that's what they do anyway. They, they become who they see. They become what they know. That's all they do anyway. That's what kids do, period, men or woman, man or woman. All right. Next question, describe the different personality types of pe people on each side of Youngstown and what they're known for. Now, I'm going to give this um, disclaimer. I'm really, I'm really not even about to do that, but I'm going to tell you why, though. I have not been in Youngstown since 2008. I moved out of Youngstown in 2008, and um, I've been gone for so long. Like, when I, when I go back to Youngstown, everything looks different, man. Like, people look different. People act different. Different people, you know. It's a lot of stuff going on that wasn't going on back in the day. So I don't know. <laughs> Everything looks weird to me. You know, so I don't, I can't even tell you. I don't know what the hell is going on. Uh, so, yeah, that's the last question from Clive. All right. Um, got my bro, uh, Michael J. Brooks. All right. So let me get back to his questions. He said, why do we as people possess the worker bee as opposed to queen bee mentality? Basically, rather work for others as opposed to running the show. Okay, the reason is because we don't have, um, we're insecure as, as uh, we are financially insecure. Now, when you, when you start your own business, you are taking a major risk. Well, really though, that, I mean, to us, it seems like it's a major risk, but actually, that risk is is minimal. You know, all you have to do is put in the same time you do when you when you work for uh, somebody else, because we're able to maintain their business. Most of us don't work for massive corporations. You know, it's so many small businesses. That means there are a lot of people working for small businesses, and that's every anybody making under ten million a year. It's a small company, so. Um, I think it's because that we, um, it's not that we 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 um, we act like worker bees. It's just that we have forced ourselves to be like worker bees instead of queens. Meaning we own. I mean, we we work instead of own. Is because we're scared. If we don't go to work for somebody, then we won't have any money because we're scared to see what you know. Black Wall Street, that whole thing, and we talk about one community. That happened everywhere. Well, we had our own stuff, and they destroyed it. So we're scared to go out there and do it again because what if they destroy it again? Then we lose everything. I mean, they, even even like we don't even we don't know Malcolm X's dad's story. They ran him out of uh, what Tulsa, 
I don't know if it was Tulsa. They ran him out of Arkansas or one of those states down in that area. They ran him out of there because he was a black business owner that was doing very well for himself. It, you know, that's real. People people learned that and it stuck with us. And now we're like, we're scared to, you know, we're scared. So that's that's that whole thing. It's, it's about fear. Um, what's your take on religion, higher power, et cetera? Um, religion, I think... Um, I mean, religion is what it is. I don't agree with it. I don't think it. I don't think it's uh, effective. But one thing, one thing I do know about religious, certain religious people though, certain religious people are very positive. I know, I know a lot of people that it kept them out of a lot of BS. You know what I'm saying? That I got into because I didn't really. I always like questioned it, so I didn't have any foundation for real to be like state of positivity but i know a lot of people that that um their religion and their belief system kept them out of shit and so for that you know it's a good thing the problem is the brainwashing the like just blind following and all that that's the issue but the the faith having faith in a higher power and believing in god that's not there's nothing wrong with that you know I think uh, my theory is everybody has a God. They just call it something different. So even you, you can go to anybody, scientists, uh, uh, Buddha, uh, Buddhist, uh, Hindu, everybody has a God. They just call it something different. So that's what I think about that. Um, he says, who are the important voices in the black community, such as Boyce Watkins, what, that others should at least hear out for new perspective? Um... Well, that's one of them right there, Dr. Boyce Watkins. You have um, Dr. Claude Anderson. You have Yvette Carnell. Carnell. You have, um, I think, Booker T. Coleman is a good voice because he, he was an educator. So he's like Umar without the foolishness, like straight up. But he, he's, not, um, he's not a psychologist, but he's an, a real educator. He was like a principal for like 30 years. Um, Booker T. Coleman, uh, you got, um, who else? And, and Booker T. Is, is about creating curriculum. He can write curriculum. So when we start making our own black schools, he can write the curriculum for it. So, um, and he's a, he's a um, master when it comes to the knowledge on um, the Moors. That's Booker T. Coleman. He's one of my favorite teachers. Uh, you have, I mean, even though Dr. Sebi died, his information is still out there. So you still, you know, that's definitely another one that, he, you know, we get, this is the information age. And the good thing about it is people can't die, really. You know, we can always recreate Dr. Sebi's speeches and his, um, and his thing. So I'll leave it at that. You know, Sebi will get you right um, physically. Okay, how do you feel about Dr. Umar rant and apology? I okay. Dr. Umar's rant was um, very stupid. Uh, uh, I don't think that every uh, um, Umar's rant was stupid, man. His apology was stupid too. <laughs> like, I mean, you, you know, you can apologize and get past it. You know, it's cool, but I don't. You know, I watched that apology. It's a long, long video. I mean, listen, man. Umar, Umar is like, he is on the edge. I'm telling you, he's on my edge. He's on the edge of some. Uh, some. He's on the edge, man. That's all I'm gonna say. Umar is doing too much. Doing a lot, doing way too much for me right now. I'm not gonna call him a scammer yet, but Umar's doing a lot. All right. Next question is, uh, 
He said, "Where's your favorite place you've traveled, and where would you and where would you recommend someone to go if they've if they've I guess never been? Favorite place to travel? Um, I haven't really traveled for leisure outside of the country. So my favorite cities are um, definitely D.C. and Chicago. Like, not even not even close. Like D.C. is definitely my my favorite place to go. I mean." Yeah, the only place I've been outside the country is like Kuwait, Afghanistan, I mean, Germany. Like, Kuwait is very nice, though. I will say that. And Kuwait, their money is worth more than ours, so don't get it twisted. That's the Middle East, but they're rich as hell in Kuwait. So, yeah. Um, How do you feel about Golden State Warriors blowing another fourth quarter lead and losing to the Grizz? Also, their epic meltdown and visible frustration with one another. Um, this is something that everybody should know about me. I don't really start watching basketball until after the All-Star break because I don't care about it enough. I don't. I think 82 games is too much. I think it's too many teams in the NBA. Like, it's just too much. I'm not doing it. Plus, it's still football season, so I don't, re I don't really start watching NBA until after. I, I look at some stats. Like, I look at the stats of, like, my favorite players or whatever, but I don't look at um, – I don't, I don't watch that shit until after. Okay. All right, I answered all this. Good. All right, that's it. I answered everything. All right, bet. Easy. So, listen, there's one thing about it, though. I have some questions for y'all now. I forgot. I should have said them before I sent everybody home, man. Damn. All right. Now, y'all can answer these questions on my Facebook, or you can hit me up on Twitter, at Kilo underscore Righteous, or you can comment on here, on, on SoundCloud. Um, If you listen on iTunes, you need to... Bring you, bring that ass here, boy. Come to my Twitter and hit me up. All right, my questions to y'all. I'm just gonna fire them off, and y'all, y'all get at me. One, how do you, how do you decide which source is credible? How do you know who you, how do you know you are, or how do you know you are who you think you are, and not just some spy sent to get intel on a family member? What's better, Pringles or Doritos? Do you put more effort into furthering your subgroup or your racial progress? That's all I got for y'all, man. Um, y'all, listen, make sure you get at me, though. You feel me? Get at me. Let me know how y'all feel about these questions, how you feel about the answers, how you feel about the show. I'm open to criticism. We can talk about it all. The moral of this whole story is black and black men, black women, we're on the same team. We need to stop BSing. We need to stop BSing and we need to and, uh, recognize it because it's foolish. The stuff that's going on right now between black men and women. Foolish. All right. So, um, peace, y'all.